You're listening to Oliver's Insights, part of AMP's Simplifying Investing podcast series. In today's episode, AMP's Chief Economist, Dr. Shane Oliver, shares five of his key tips for investing. With high inflation, rising interest rates, and political uncertainty both at home and further abroad, along with the global health pandemic, there's plenty out there that could impact your investments. So what advice is there to make informed decisions? Dr. Oliver draws on his rich experience to help navigate investing's biggest topics. Now, before I hand over to Shane, a quick reminder that this podcast is general in nature and hasn't taken your circumstances into account. It's important you consider your personal circumstances and speak to a financial advisor before deciding what is right for you. Any general tax information provided is intended as a guide only. Let's go straight to our resident expert, Shane, take it away. Thanks, Adam, and good day, everyone. What I'd like to talk about today is, I guess, the basic principles of investing. We have seen a lot of volatility in investment markets recently. And of course, in such an environment, it's very hard to invest for many people. Many people find the volatility unnerving. Um, Maybe they think it's better to be in cash um, or retreat to cash from whatever your strategy is. But I think it's also a time where it's very important to understand the basic principles of investing. I will be the first to admit that in times like the present, my crystal ball is even hazier than normal. And of course, there is a lot of uncertainty around and that explains the haze. But uh, as the well-known US economist, J.K. Galbraith once said, there are two types of economists, those that don't know and those that don't know they don't know. And this is certainly an environment where there is much that is unknown as to how these so-called bulls in the air around inflation, interest rates, Ukraine and various other things will land. I think this is an ideal time to sort of think about some basic principles of investing. These principles are timeless, they're very simple, and they're particularly useful, I find, in times like the present. Now, I'm not going to go through all of them, otherwise we'll be here forever. I'm going to focus on what I consider five key principles. Now, the first one is to make the most of compound interest. Compounding is basically where returns are earned on returns. And of course, if you've got a stronger growing asset, you can end up with a very big pool of uh, savings at the end of the period. Now, of course, my favorite way of illustrating this is with a chart, which is a bit hard to show in a podcast. But uh, if we look at Australian-based data back to 1900, if you'd invested $1 back in 1900, because of the impact of compounding, both capital growth and interest, If you put that money in cash today, it would be worth somewhere around $240. Now that's a compound annual return of about 4.5%. Alternatively, if you put in Australian government bonds, it would have increased to over $900 with a compound return of about 5.7% per annum. That's pretty good, far better than cash. Alternatively, if you put that $1 in shares, and I'm not, of course, allowing here for fees and taxes and all sorts of things. And of course, they can; those two can work in the opposite opposite directions, given franking credits, which I'm also not allowing for. But that one dollar would have seen numerous setbacks, lots of volatility along the way, but it would have grown to over seven hundred eighty thousand today, give or take a little bit, given recent volatility. And that's a that's a compound return of about eleven point five percent, or just a little bit more than that. So what it highlights is, I guess the power of compounding. You just double the return from bonds to equities and you end up with a far bigger sum of money at the end of your investment period. Now, of course, I've shown it there over a 120-year period. We could also do the same thing over a 20 or a 40-year period over which 
period historically, shares have always outperformed bonds, particularly once you allow for the dividends. And of course, you get a bit of cream on the top with banking credits, which as I mentioned, I haven't allowed for in that calculation. Now, of course, you get a similar story with residential property. And I would think commercial property, although I don't have commercial property data going back that far, but I do have residential property data going back to the 1920s, and it shows a similar return to shares. Now, the point of all that is, is that if you want to grow your wealth, you really have to have growth assets like shares and property. And I think that's the first most important principle of investing. If you want to grow your wealth, you have to have growth assets. Um, they may not perform in all periods. They had a horrible slump in the mid-1970s, 1930s. Of course, we had the GFC in recent times. And of course, the pandemic setbacks there saw share markets fall sharply. And of course, we're seeing a bit of that volatility at present. So that's the first principle, make the most of compound interest. You really do have to invest for the long term to do that. Now, this is the second principle, and I think it's, well, I call it, time is on your side. If you look at the volatility of the share market, it bounces around all over the place. You can, I'm just looking at here at a chart, which goes back to 1900, the annual returns on Australian shares, this is the rolling 12-month return, ranges from anywhere, like around minus 30% to plus 60%. Now, if you look at the rolling 20-year return, it's a lot more stable at around 10, maybe 15% per annum, give or take a little bit. So I reckon it's incredibly important to look beyond the short-term volatility like we're seeing in share markets recently and focus on the longer-term returns you can get from investments, um, particularly growth assets like shares and, of course, property. And the key in all of this is to make sure you're not thrown off a good long-term strategy making the most of compound interest by cyclical swings in markets. So time is on your side, try and invest for the long-term. The third principle, I call the roller coaster of investor emotion. You've really got to be aware of that. And this is incredibly important because yes, there's fundamental drivers of swings in markets, but sometimes they go from one extreme to another. In good times, uh, Investor psychology can go from one of optimism to excitement, then thrill, and you get to a euphoria right at the top. And of course, that's often the point where you're at maximum risk in terms of your investments. Then, of course, markets start going back down again. Anxiety, denial gives way to desperation, panic, capitulation, depression. And of course, historically, the best opportunities are often found when investors are very depressed because that's when shares have fallen quite sharply. And then, of course, eventually the cycle repeats itself. So the key in all of this is to try and avoid getting sucked in by the crowd. When everyone's euphoric, be a bit cautious. When everyone is depressed, um, look around for where the opportunities might be. Now, of course, you're never going to time this perfectly. And that's always a big challenge. And I'll come onto that one in a moment. But just make sure you're always aware of the roller coaster of investor emotion and how crowds can often get things wrong at extremes. So that brings me to my fourth investment principle, which I think is very, very important. Um, and that is the importance of time in the market versus timing. I find market timing to be very, very difficult. I reckon if you don't have a good asset allocation process or investment process to pick stocks, um, it's gonna be very hard. A lot of people think, well, if I can just miss, miss out on a few of the worst days in the market, then I'll be home and hosed. But I did a little exercise, and lots of people have done this one over the years, looking at the return you would have got by missing the worst days. If, for example, you've, you've invested money in Australian shares 
Say in January 1995, over the period up until the present, you would have returned roughly 9.5% per annum. Pretty good. If alternatively, you decided that uh, you're going to try and time the market and you happen to have a perfect crystal ball and you miss the 10 worst days, but get all the other days, then you would have enhanced that return to 12.5% per annum. If you were really good and you missed the 40 worst days, then you would have enhanced that return to 17.5% per annum. That sounds fantastic. Problem is that uh, by the time you realize things are bad, um, markets have already fallen. And then you find yourself in a situation where you actually miss out on the best days. So I did another little exercise, just repeat the same process. What happens if you miss out on the 10 best days? Well, your return would have actually been reduced from 9.5% per annum, which was the buy and hold strategy, to 7.4% per annum. And if you get really unlucky and miss out on the 40 best days, then your return would have slumped to just 3.3% per annum. And of course, if you keep doing that, you'll find that you'll end up with far less when you come to ultimately rely on your savings because of that um, loss of value as you miss out on the best days. So the point about all this is that it is very hard. It often looks clear in hindsight because when the history is written and you read the reasons as to why the market did something, those who uh, write the clearest and come up with the best explanations are the ones that tend to be read. And then looking at it that way, it looks inevitable that the market was going to go down or the market was going to go up. The problem is when you're in present time, uh, you don't have the benefit of Harry hindsight. It can be very hard to time the market. And therefore, it makes sense to be in the market, time in, as, it, as opposed to try and timing it. The final point I think is, is very important, this final investment principle, I think this is incredibly important. Try and avoid looking at your investments as much. Yeah, fair enough, if you do have a process and you think you can time it really well, then you've got to look regularly. But a lot of people really struggle with that. And I think it's often better to not look at, at the market as much. And I think there's some good logical reason for this. If you go back again to uh, through time, and I've got daily data here back to 1995, um, it's 50-50 as to whether you're going to get good news from the US or Australian share markets on a daily basis. It's almost 50-50 as to whether the market will be up or down. If alternatively, you only look at the market on a monthly basis, you're going to, you've got a much better chance of getting good news. It's about two-thirds chance you'll get positive news with positive gains in the Australian and US share market. If you push it out to only looking at the data on an annual basis in Australian shares historically, and this goes back to 1900, you would have got positive news about 80% of the time and just a little bit less for US shares. And of course, if you only look once a decade, of course, no one's going to do that, but if you only did look once a decade, all decades um, in Australian shares have seen positive returns. In the US, it's about 80% of decades have seen positive returns. So the point is, try and look at your investments a little bit less. Um, because if you can do that, then the less the chance you will be disappointed because the less you look, the more likelihood is you'll see that positive return as you stretch out from days to months to years to decades. Um, not that I'm saying that everyone's going to only look once a decade. That's a bit extreme. But uh, the less chance you'll be disappointed. In other words, the less you look, the less regularly you look, the less chance you'll be disappointed. And that matters because if you're not as disappointed, then the greater the risk um, the lesser the risk of selling at the wrong time. So I hope these have been of some value. None of these things are perfect. They often don't necessarily work in the short term and they're not meant to work in the short term. They're principles of investing that apply over the longer term. 
Now, of course, there's lots of other principles also worth discussing, and we'll discuss these in another podcast, but I went through five that I thought were critically important in periods like the present where we've got lots of volatility. Anyway, all the best. Until we meet again, adios. Well, there you have it. Shane Oliver's top tips for investing in times of uncertainty. Now, to stay up to date on all of the latest from Dr. Oliver and the Simplifying Investing series more broadly, subscribe to the podcast series on your favorite streaming platform. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, a quick reminder, all topics discussed today are general in nature and haven't taken your personal circumstances into account. That's why it's important that you seek out tailored financial advice that is relevant to your personal circumstances before making any important financial decisions.